Welcome to another episode of Walk On Red Shirts Podcast. As always, I am your host, Aaron. With me, my co-hosts, Intern Gibble, but not for long. Uh, somebody won our pickums and is going to actually get bumped up and get a non-existent raise. Uh, also, Ooh. our other co-host, Jake, is also here with us. Uh, and we are officially done with bowl season. Sad face. Um, and we are moving on to the championship game next Monday. Uh, LSU and Clemson, if you haven't heard, if you're living under a rock. Uh, we will break that down a little bit later. We have a ton of news uh, intern Gibble has off the top here. Some coaching changes uh, still going on. A lot of players leaving for the draft were staying. Uh, transfer portal news. Um, and all that good stuff. Uh, as well as a recap of all those bowl games from the Orange Bowl through the Lending Tree giveaway, $10,000 or whatever they call it, bowl between uh, Sunbelt and MAC teams. Um, and then we'll break down the championship game a little bit later on. Uh, we'll answer your listener questions and then we'll give a sign off. And we'll see you guys after the championship game next week. Uh, so, intern Gibble, why don't you go ahead and uh, hit us with some news? All right. Well, we have a lot of names this week of players leaving, players returning. Um, But we'll start out in the coaching corner. Obviously, the biggest move and biggest news of today, we're recording this on Tuesday. So biggest news of Tuesday is Matt Rule leaving Baylor uh, and was hired by the Panthers. Um, They decided to pay his six million dollar buyout and offered him a seven-year deal worth 60 million dollars could be up to 70 with incentives so that man just got paid um also have the former offensive coordinator at smu rhett lashley he's been hired as the offensive coordinator for miami you're goddamn right (laughs) knew you'd like that one we're scoring Uh, points in 2020 baby you think you are Maybe. Uh, no, we are scoring points. You might points on points on points. Only if you start Tate Martell as quarterback. Hey, this system, it works with him. We'll see if he stays. Uh, I don't know who knows. Miami's got 10 quarterbacks on his roster. One of them's going to leave. Yeah. Um, all right. We also have Joe Moorhead, who was fired by Mississippi State. Um, that job is still open. There's no real word on who's going to be in that spot yet. Uh, we also have Sean Gleason hired as the offensive coordinator at Rutgers. That uh, kind of fills out uh, Shiano's staff there. He was the former offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Oklahoma State. Um, I think that's about it for the coaches this week. All right. I right. Let's take a pause real fast. Let's discuss some of the coaches because um, I'll forget by the time Gibble gets done reading through 10,000 names here. True. Um a few things. Sean Gleason hire for Rutgers, I think, is a great one. Uh, he was an up-and-comer, put up a lot of points at Princeton when he was there. Um, ended up getting hired uh, by Oklahoma State. And I saw a decent amount of him when, when Manny Diaz got hired at Miami. He was one of the guys a lot of Miami guys wanted um, him to go after in terms of an offensive coordinator. Uh, obviously now has a 2,000-yard rusher on his resume and, and Chuba Hubbard this past year. So uh, to get him and lure him away from 
Uh, Oklahoma State, I think, is a big hire for Rutgers. Uh, something to definitely be excited for if you're a Rutgers fan, um, as well as uh, maybe helping the quarterbacks and stuff like that along the way as well. So uh, definitely a big hire for them. Uh, for Mississippi State, I will say I don't really understand why you waited so long to fire Joe Moorhead. Um, growing up, Mississippi State was lucky to make a bowl game, uh, and now they're too good to go 6-7. and seven. Uh, I mentioned it on Twitter this past week. I think Dan Mullins... Uh, uh, years there really kind of um, overinflated what Mississippi State looks at as expectations on a yearly basis. Obviously, six and seven, I think, is what they finished this year six and seven or seven and six, one or the other. Um, I think Joe Moorhead was a good coach. I think they needed to give him a little bit more time. Um, I think wherever he catches on, he'll be a good hire in terms of a. a probably going back to an offensive coordinator at this point, but uh, he was very good at Penn State as an offensive coordinator. Very sought after after that, uh, which led him down to Mississippi State. Um, I, I, I've said it before, even with the Willie Taggart one, I don't necessarily agree with firing a coach after two years, uh, let alone this late in the stage uh, after the bowl game and all that stuff. Uh, I think at that point, you know, you have to have your mind made up before the bowl game, whether you feel like this is the guy or not. Uh, regardless of how that game goes. Uh, so I don't really agree with that at all. We'll see what Mississippi State does. Uh, Joe Judge, I believe, the new New York Giants head coach, uh, was the front runner, a Mississippi State former uh, player. Uh, he coached there for a little while as well before heading to the NFL. Uh, coached in high school, Mississippi, or Mississippi State High School for a little bit as well. Um, so, and then obviously to Mississippi State, essentially lost out to the Giants obviously so we'll see where they reroute now but uh, between the two jobs that are on the market currently uh, we'll talk about the Baylor one a little bit later and who we think will fill that spot but uh, I think the Baylor one's a lot better of a a place to go right now so we'll see what Mississippi State does there and obviously the Rhett Lashley thing I'm very excited SMU he scored a lot of points there and made Shane Bouchelle look like a future XFL Hall of Famer uh, very excited for what he'll bring to Miami in terms of that up-tempo. Uh, reading through an article, I think my favorite thing about it was when he does practices, uh, he'll do something where it's, you know, you have four plays to get in the end zone, and then he, he makes you do a celebration and then run off the field and times it. Um, and I, I really like that. Uh, I think that fits perfectly into what Miami wants to do, uh, to have that kind of attitude, but also to... Um, to be able to manage it in a, a sense. So I think that brings a lot to the table. Um, I think he's going to work well with the quarterbacks. I'm very excited. Do I think Miami's going to put up 41 points a game like SMU did this year? No, but I think they're going to put up a lot more than 25 points a game like they did this past year. Uh, there's plenty of talent on offense. If they can fix the offensive line, I think they will be uh, A-OK in terms of scoring points. The defense doesn't look like it's going anywhere. They, they're still very good. Um so I think this is a great hire for, for Manny Diaz and the Miami staff. Yeah, you only allowed two scores in the bowl game. Yeah, I mean, and the last one was basically us just giving them a, uh, an opportunity to score. Like, uh, so, yeah, I mean that's the thing. The defense is fine. That hasn't been a problem all year. Um, it's the offense not being able to put together drives or score points because they're playing a pro style offense from the year two thousand and. 
it just doesn't work. Um, and to finally get to that up tempo, like running, spread, all that stuff, firing it around. Watched a lot of SMU games this year, and I'm very excited about what's going to be brought down there. So uh, that's good. I agree with you about the whole Joe Moorhead thing, though, because if you didn't want him, why would you wait until after the first of the year when the top candidates for you know the same level job Mississippi State would be hiring for? You know, all of them been hired up at this point. You know, any of the you know, not that they would have got Mike Norvell because they weren't getting Norvell, um, but anybody else in that level, they've been hired at this point. You're just shooting yourself in the foot, and potentially what's going to happen is with recruiting because these guys committed to Joe Moorhead. There's a chance that the school might have to release some of them from LOIs because that's just the good thing to do um, if you bring in a coach and they don't like him. But the other thing is some of these kids are enrolling on campus now. Your early enrollees are there, and you don't have a head coach. So... I just don't agree with how they went about it because I don't understand the idea of waiting till now to fire your head coach. Oh yeah. I, I mean, that's, I, that's one thing I don't understand either. It's just like, so, and I, I'm so tired of hearing people like on Twitter, I keep seeing it. That's like when you mention anything about, well, now they should have to release everybody that wants out of their, uh, LOI and allow them to go back and seek uh, other ones before the February signing day comes up. And everyone's response is always, "Well, you know, you commit to the t- you commit to the school, not the coach." Well, if that was the case, then why are these professors not going out on these visits and stuff like that? <laughs> no, it's the it's the head coach of the football program that's coming to your house for dinner. Like, I want the history teacher to come to my say, house for dinner. Yeah. You can sit here and tell me that, you know, you commit to the school, you don't commit to the coach. That's baloney because the coach is the one recruiting the kid to play there. Like, uh, it's so frustrating to me to keep seeing that because that's clearly not the case. Like, uh, the yeah, the history teacher is not flying out to Vegas to recruit a kid to come sit in his class. Like, it just doesn't happen. That's not what's there. These high school kids have one plan. Maybe not one plan, but a lot of them have one plan, and it's to get to the NFL. So you are committing to the coach because you think the coach is going to get you there. You're not playing football just for the fun of it. Even a guy like Jonathan Taylor, who is big on astrophysics and all this, is a really intelligent kid, is still going to go to the NFL. Like, he's still going to go play football. Like, so I think that's what it comes down to. And I just get so tired of hearing that every time a coach leaves. It happened last year with Miami when Mark Rick, late in the year, decided to retire after the bowl game. Um, it's just not the case. You commit to the coach, the coaches, and that's a big issue now for Mississippi State going forward. And like you said, I mean, it's not a, it's not a sexy job. You have to play Bama on all these schools every year. Like, so. What what's there? I, I don't think they have good quarterbacks right now. I don't think they have a ton of talent. Uh, Kylan Hill is a, a good running back, but I think he's probably going to the NFL draft if I guess. Um, so you know what's you know what's there. So that that's really what it comes down to, and I don't really know who they're gonna get. Um, Billy Napier didn't even want to interview for the job, and he's the head coach of Louisiana Lafayette. So I don't know. 
I think I heard that Gene Chizik also interviewed, but he's like, nah, I don't really want to. If you're going after, I think the one I saw today was Todd Grantham, the Florida defensive coordinator, which, okay, that's fine. Isn't he the former Arizona State head coach? Uh, No, that's Todd Graham. Close. (laughs) But not. Yeah, close. Um, And he was an offensive guy. Uh, He was the one that wore the really weird, like, boy band uh, microphone on his head. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like, who? Like, maybe if you can get Grantham, okay, that's a fine hire for this point in the year. But you know, when you got guys from FCS coaches saying nah, and you have Gene Chizik who had one good season, and that was strictly because Cam Newton was his quarterback and he didn't have to do anything. Um, I saw know. somebody raving on Twitter about Gene Chizik how they should go get him. I was like. Do he you got fired realize like two years after he won a national championship? I I went and looked at him. He has a career thirty eight and thirty eight record, and he went fourteen he, and zero with Cam Newton. He is twenty four yeah. and thirty eight without Cam Newton. I yeah, because I remember when he got hired at Auburn. It was so long ago, but still, like I remember the fact that like he had a losing record at Iowa State. Yeah, he was like five and twelve at Iowa State or something like that. Like he wasn't good. <laughs> I mean. Uh, good luck to Mississippi State fans because I don't really understand this at all. Um, not great, not great at all. Five and nineteen at Iowa State, and he got hired to Auburn. Oh God! Iowa State was probably ready to fire him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. At that point, Iowa State was a they were hitting expectations for them. Quite honestly, they were bad. And then Gene Chizik went eight and five, fourteen and zero, eighteen and five, three and nine. Yeah. He was big. He only finished the season ranked once. I think that that is right up there with uh, Bobby Petrino's last stop at Louisville when he had Lamar Jackson, who won a Heisman, and then the very next year went like had two wins and um, got fired. <laughs> like it's right there, neck and neck with like you had an elite college football player that could do no wrong. But you were such a bad coach that as soon as they left, everything went to shit. <laughs> everything. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, All right. Go ahead with uh, go ahead with the, with the rest of your news there, Gibble. <laughs> that was a nice little segue. Uh, all right. We'll jump over to some portal news. Uh, we're going to do like all of the player news here. Start with the portal. Um, running back Lorenzo Lingard, former five-star five recruit that was at Miami. Uh, he's a running back, decided to transfer to Florida, so he should bolster that offense after uh, I think LaMichael P. Ryan is going to the NFL. Um, and then, I know that one kind of hurts for you a little bit, Aaron. Eh, I mean, it hurts in the fact that he's like one of our only five stars in the last several years, but um, he, didn't he do really much. didn't play a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. the thing, like... He played a little bit last year. Uh, I think they were trying to redshirt him. Uh, he ended up getting injured. Uh, a really rough injury. Uh, came back this year. I think he had mentioned to the coaching staff that he, he wasn't feeling uh, 100% yet. And they kind of held off on him. I think they wanted to redshirt him this year. Uh, and then have him come back next year. Uh, but he, he did sort of get outplayed by a four-star from the same class, Cameron Harris. Uh last year and then this year didn't really get to see the field all that much uh miami also has two 
of the top, I think, like 12 running backs coming into this class. So I think it was a situation where he probably wasn't going to see the field all that much um, going forward in all reality. Um, he wanted to get on the field late in the season, but the, the coaching staff just kind of held off on him, and I think that kind of ticked him off a bit and um, ultimately led to him transferring. Um, sucks. Um, I don't necessarily mind it. You know, go do your thing, but... Um, I just wish it wasn't Florida, I guess, but we don't play them next year, so I don't really care that much. Well, that makes it a little better. All right, the other one, uh, again, one of your teams, Jamie Newman has decided to transfer out of Wake Forest. Um, The big name I'm hearing for his transfer is uh, Oregon. I think I've heard that one the most out of anything. Um, Is there anywhere else that he might potentially go? Uh, I mean, he's definitely going to be sought after by a lot of teams. I can't confirm that Miami has reached out to him. Um, but yeah, Oregon probably seems like the, the most logical place. Cause if he goes to Miami, there's still no guarantee he's going to start. So at that point, there's not really necessarily a reason to, for him to go there. Um, whereas Oregon, he'll probably, as soon as he gets there, jump another driver's seat. Um, I think following Justin Herbert there, I don't necessarily know if they have any top quarterback recruits uh, on that roster uh, now that Herbert's leaving. Um, But I think there's an opportunity for him to get on the field right away in Oregon uh, under a better team uh, than Wake Forest. No offense to my Demon Deeks. But, um, yeah, I think that's probably the best place for them to go. Not that I wouldn't like him at Miami, but I just think going to Oregon, I think there's an opportunity to get on the field right away. Uh, he looks impressive. He's a very intriguing uh, NFL dra- draft prospect. Um, and I think going up there, playing with a better squad, I think could definitely help bolster that. So uh, we'll we'll kind of see here going forward. All right. Uh, so now we're going to hop over into the players declaring for the draft early and also players returning. I'm going to try and lump these together a little bit uh, by school here. So we'll start with Alabama. They have probably the most notable names on this list uh obviously jerry judy and henry ruggs both of their wide receivers uh, are declaring for the draft uh and then you have devonta smith who has decided to come back uh on the defensive side you have xavier mckinney the safety decided to declare and dylan moses uh decided to stay and then obviously the biggest name i was like are you gonna say the other two. one I gotta save him for last. <laughs> I just I I gotta pause this for a second. I love the way you went about this. Instead of just lumping them, here's the Alabama players that are leaving, here's the ones that are staying. You just went on your own route here. When these two guys are staying, these two guys are going to the NFL. This guy, he's staying. But this guy's going to the NFL. And this guy had a press conference the other like <laughs> I mean, I can just break it down oh, again. Oh, God. Oh, man. No, just it's continue It's going to take us three hours to go through who's going pro and who's I not. Can't believe, I can't believe, spoiler alert, but I can't believe we have to promote this guy to analyst at the end of the show. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> All right. Well, back into it. Obviously, Tua is leaving for the NFL. Smart move for that kid. Um, he is going to more than likely get drafted in the first round. He's smarter than you for sure. Well, that's a guarantee. Intern Gibble was the bo- uh, the Booger McFarland of this podcast. He just doesn't know what's going on at any given time, but he's here, and he's. <laughs> I know some. Point out the obvious. 
Yep. You know what that means. Right. If Tua is declaring to go pro, it means he will not be playing Alabama next year. Oh, I, I didn't <laughs> know that. Holy shit. <laughs> nope. All right. his talents to South Beach. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a likely spot for him to land. Uh, do any of the, those ones particularly surprise you guys? Smith coming back was the only one that I... I would say potentially surprised, but I, he's going to come back and be their number one wide receiver next year with yeah. uh, Jalen Waddle. I thought there was a chance Ruggs maybe came back, but it was really if Tua was going to come back. I mean, there was the whole, is Tua coming back? Is he not coming back? If Tua came back, I thought Ruggs was going to come back. If Tua was gone, I thought Ruggs was gone. Yeah. All right, so you actually missed two more Alabama players that were potential first-rounders here. You're not even uh, good at your job, Gibble. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing with Alabama. I mean, a lot of their underclassmen were projected to be round one, round two guys. Uh, offensive tackle uh, Jedrick Wills is going to the draft. Um, he is a fast riser in the recent weeks uh, in terms of climbing a lot of boards. A lot of people actually have him at OT1 now. Uh, he declared Alex Leatherwood, who has had a rough couple of weeks. A lot of people have downgraded him to the second round. Um, actually announced he's coming back to Alabama next year as well. So, um, Out of those, I'm not necessarily surprised. There was a lot of talk this year that Devonta Smith was probably going to return. Uh, he did have a huge season. I think that put a lot of, uh, of thought into it uh but with how deep the receiver class is we've seen it already with uh, guys like sage charat uh announcing that they were just going to go back to school uh for another year i think that's a good thing uh waited out next year Devonte smith will probably be you know wide receiver one two or three if i had to guess um and probably a first rounder next year as well uh there was talk that maybe he'd get into round one here late this year um some issues with his body frame and stuff like that. But uh, I think that's a good one. Him to go back, uh, him and Waddle uh, supplying Mac Jones with um, some weapons on the outside now that Judy uh, and Ruggs are declaring. So I think that's a good one. The only real surprise to me, I guess, was Moses. Um, a lot of people figured yeah, he'd probably be healthy by the time the combine and stuff came around um, and be ready to go for that. And he'd likely end up being linebacker too, uh, probably a mid-first-round, late-first-round pick. Um, but to see him come back at his degree, um, in an odd situation, there was a lot of back and forth, I guess, this week on that. Uh, but that one's a little surprising. Uh, I know there was a lot of talk this week uh, about Tua, um, and, and it was kind of an interesting theory because uh, a lot of guys I saw on Twitter didn't know which way he was leaning. There wasn't really a, a give either way. A lot of people thought that he was coming back and then maybe made a switch. There was a lot of talk that maybe he was trying to convince a lot of these underclassmen to stay with him, do one last ride, try to win a national title, and then bounce. Um, as more of the guys declared before him, I kind of got the suspicion that he was probably going pro as well. Um, I will say I don't necessarily know if I've ever waited hand and foot on a press conference to start like I did on that. I had to stop all work things, all work duties uh, to tune into that as a Miami Dolphins fan. There's a clear reason why, um, but uh, I'm very excited for, for what his future holds. Uh, and I think him declaring for the draft also is an optimistic sign that his hip is healing at a, at a good rate. Uh, he seemed pretty optimistic about it. Um, 
and I, I kind of trust that. So uh, we'll see what happens to him, see what happens to Alabama going forward. Um, and obviously they, they get a lot of talent back because Leatherwood, Moses, Devonta Smith, all announcing they're returning, are pretty big gets for Alabama um, on that front. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, the majority of Alabama, like either way, they don't lose too much talent because they have just a factory down there, even though Saban doesn't say that. Uh, but anyway, moving on to, we'll stick with the SEC here. We'll slide over to Georgia. Uh, DeAndre Swift, running back, decided that he's going to declare, along with Andrew Thomas, Isaiah Wilson, and Solomon Kinley. Um, those three are offensive linemen for them. So Georgia will likely have to kind of rebuild that that front line. Uh, we also have Lynn Bowden Jr. Uh, out of Kentucky. Wide receiver, technically, but basically he was every position player for Kentucky this past season. Um, we also have Courtney Davis, the Texas A&M wide receiver. And uh, he, all of them have declared for the NFL draft. And then we also have Jamon Osbin. I think that's how you say it. That is, I believe, the most notable name of players returning. He's a Texas A&M wide receiver. Uh, so that about does it for the SEC. Uh, do any of those names surprise you guys? Not really. Yeah. No. All right. Uh, doesn't look like we have too much out of the ACC. Uh, Cam Akers is probably the most notable name from Florida State, the running back, declaring for the NFL draft. I don't think anybody is staying there. Um, Move over to the Big Ten. There's a lot of names here. Marvin Uh, Wilson is staying for Florida State. I don't know if that was last week or not. We did talk about that one last week. Yeah. Um, All right. So out of Wisconsin, we have Jonathan Taylor and Quintez Cephas both declaring for the NFL draft. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, one of the top running backs coming out of college for sure. Um, We talked about J.K. Dobbins last week out of Ohio State. Uh, We have Chase Young also declaring for the the draft, obviously. Uh, uh, Top five pick pretty easily here. I thought he'd come back. (laughs) No, you didn't. Zero people thought he'd come back. But TMZ told me he was coming back. Yeah, he said he was coming back. He's clearly not a man of his word, and you have to think if he he may slide down uh, the draft boards kind of like Bo Callahan did. I (laughs) don't believe you. He's going to fall to three instead of two. Oh, no. Detroit Lions, baby. (laughs) Eh, We don't need that. He can can go join the rest of the Buckeyes in uh, D.C. That seems good. Or New Orleans. He won't fall that far. Never mind. They have to trade up a lot. Anyway, um, we also have Jeff Okuda, cornerback out of Ohio State, declaring for the NFL draft. Um, the only, or the most notable player out of Ohio State that has decided to stay is Sean Wade, safety. Um, he probably could have been a first-round pick, uh, but he is a big get for Ohio State. Glad to have him back. Um, out of Penn State, Uh, Gross Matos declared a little while ago that he was going to the NFL. Uh, This past week we had K.J. Hamler declare for the NFL draft. Uh, And then out of Michigan, we had Donovan Peoples-Jones, wide receiver, 
declare for the NFL draft while Nico Collins decided to come back for another year. And I think that's about it for the Big Ten. Any of those guys surprise you? I thought Shantlin Wade might go pro, but other than that, no. Yeah, yeah. the Sean Wade one, another guy that was projected possible late first rounder. Um, a little surprising, but uh, he's, what, a redshirt sophomore? Yes. Well, you guys are Ohio State <laughs> fans, I assumed. He is a redshirt uh, sophomore. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, I think it's, it is it is good for him to go back because he did play nickel a lot this year, and I think getting to play the boundary now that Okuda's out. Um is going to kind of help him a little bit on his draft stock. Granted, he was still projected a late first rounder, but uh, he may end up boosting that up to uh, an early first rounder next year if he has a good season. Uh, he's got a lot of talent, so uh, that one's a little surprising just based on where he was projected in a lot of things I've seen. Uh, I know I had him top 30 on my big board, um, so uh, that is a good get for Ohio State to come back next year because clearly missing him in that game against Clemson uh, hurt a bit. So. Oh, yeah. That one definitely hurt. All right. Uh, we'll slide over to the Big 12 now. Not too many more names here. Uh, we've got Kenneth Murray, uh, linebacker for Oklahoma, declaring for the NFL draft. And that and uh, oh, T.J. Vasher, wide receiver for Texas Tech decided to come back uh, along with Sam Ellinger Texas He's quarterback back. but Texas isn't so but they are it's okay and we'll talk about it later on because oh. they played in a recap game for us oh no <laughs> did we talk about Tylen Wallace coming back no he's coming back oh. yes he is coming back and maybe Chuba Hubbard uh, did he officially say anything yet? No. Okay. We cool. just have that very transparent piece uh, tweet from uh, Mike Gundy. Well, we're waiting for him. That's a big name. Hopefully we have that for next week. All right. Uh, so I think last but not least here we have the Pac-12. Um, we have Isaiah Hodgins, Oregon statewide receiver, and Jalen Johnson, the Utah cornerback. Both of them have declared for the NFL draft. While C.J. Verdell, the Oregon running back, has decided to stay. So I think that's all the names I got for players Good. leaving and returning. All right. It's about time. Awesome. Woo. All right. So if you're still listening to the podcast, thank you. We'll get into some more interesting things here moving forward. Yeah, we've got one more bit of uh, news here. We've got Zach Evans who signed for Georgia, uh, but they said, nah, we don't really want your, you to come here. He's a five-star running back, uh, but they don't want him. So something weird is going on there. Not really sure what that is, but I don't he's, know where he's going to end up. <laughs> he's got some character issues. The latest rumor is Texas A&M because he is from Texas. But he's got some character issues. There was an issue with him not playing in his state championship game. Uh, there uh, sounds like there were some other things during his high school season that has deterred some coaches from uh, wanting him in their locker room, essentially. Yeah, that makes sense. You don't really want anybody who's going to kind of be a cancer in the locker room. That oftentimes will hurt more than it helps. Thank you, Even Booger. if he's a high talent. 
All right. That's all the news we got. Can I say one thing before we move on? My sure. favorite thing is when you start announcing names, no matter how big or small the name is, like Zach Evans, you have to pause to make sure you're saying it right. <laughs> I've butchered so many names, I really want to not do that anymore. Even though Zach Evans is a combined nine letters. Yep. <laughs> and it's an easy name, too. Like, the, <laughs> this isn't rocket science. Like, Zachary Evans. Like, <laughs> yep. Did you look at it and go, Mm, maybe it's evens. Uh, uh. <laughs> oh, jeez, I don't know about this one, guys. <laughs> oh, that's our 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 Booger McGibble. That's that's your new name going forward. That's your analyst name for the the podcast, Booger McGibble. Oh, that's a promotion. <laughs> that's your promotion. <laughs> Lock it in. <laughs> All right. Uh, any other news? Nope, I think that's about it. All right, let's move on and recap the finale of bowl games. Uh, Unfortunately, they have come to an end, and we only have one game left. Uh, Starting with the Orange Bowl, which was happening when we recorded last week's episode, Florida ended up winning 36-28 over Virginia. Uh, Texas, maybe back? Who knows? Uh, They whomped up on Utah 38-10. I I said when we were doing the pick-em, I mean... It was a home game for Texas. Utah, I don't know what happened to their offense down the stretch against Oregon and against Texas. It wasn't there. If Texas could just play like they do in a bowl game all season long, they'd be fantastic. If they ever make the playoffs, I might pick them to win the whole damn thing because Tom Herman's so good at getting his team ready after like 16 days off. Um, But yeah, a big win for Texas here in the Alamo Bowl. Uh, as they move on, Sam Ellinger comes back, obviously. Uh, a big gift for Texas uh, going forward. Uh, Navy 20, Kansas State 17. Kentucky 37, Virginia Tech 30. Arizona State 20, Florida State 14. If I mentioned this on Twitter. If Florida State could lose every game in heartbreaking fashion like this, I, when I bet on them, I would gladly go bankrupt next season because obviously I took them in this game. I, I actually... Did place an actual bet on them to cover. They were driving, uh, and then an unfortunate fumble, which was like their fourth or fifth turnover of the game, uh, and Arizona State uh, closes it out. Um, Wyoming 38, Georgia State 17. Was there any really doubt that the Cowboy the Cowboys were going to end up winning this game? Probably not. Georgia 26, Baylor 14 in Matt Rule's final game at Baylor. Georgia just kind of dominated this game from the the get-go. Oregon 28, Wisconsin 27 in the uh, famed Rose Bowl. Uh, A fun game. Uh, One of the better bowl games this this season, I'd say, Uh, between two teams. They were kind of evenly matched. Uh, Wisconsin just made one too many mistakes in this game and ended up giving Oregon uh, a spot to, to climb back in it. Um, especially on the dropped fun, uh, the dropped punt, which got returned for a touchdown. Uh, I think Justin Herbert had three rushing touchdowns in this game, uh, which is a little bit odd, uh, but also didn't look very good passing the ball. So, uh, good win for Oregon moving moving forward. Uh, Minnesota thirty one, Auburn twenty four, huge win for the Rothboat Gophers uh, up in Minnesota to get a big win over an SEC team here. Uh, also, likewise, but uh, Alabama 35, Michigan 16. This one for the SEC. Uh, Michigan 
looked good to start the game. They were doing pretty well against Alabama there, uh, and then Alabama kind of found their footing and ended up running away with this. Uh, Jim Harbaugh not doing a good job at Michigan. Uh, not winning bowl games and not beating Ohio State. Clock's ticking, probably, if I had to guess. Um, Cincinnati 38, Boston College 6. Tennessee 23, Indiana 22. Jake, do you want to Talk to me. Do you need a therapist for Nine Windiana being dead? I mean, kind of. The <laughs> fact that they almost had a chance to win, too. They I had mean, it. You you sent us the text of a picture of the score. I know. And <laughs> then it went down after that. They were up 10 points. Like, I mean, I there's, thought, al- there's uh, always next I year. I thought so. To be honest with you, I had to change the channel because this game was so boring in the first half. Uh, I ended up changing the channel. You sent the text message, and I was like, ah, shit, Indiana's going to do it. I woke up the next day just to check the score, fell out the spreadsheet, and I saw Tennessee had won. And I was like, ah, man, Jake's got to be so damn sad right now that 9-win Indiana just didn't happen. Um, They got cursed, man. I told you. I tried to give them 10-win Indiana. They screwed it up against Penn State. Got railroaded by Michigan. They barely beat Purdue. It just wasn't going to happen. Tennessee, you might as well pencil Tennessee into the top 25 on the AP 25, top 25 at the start of next season because I guarantee they'll put them in at like 24. Yeah, Tennessee's going to be 24 and North Carolina's going to be 23. And Texas is going to be 22. (laughs) No, Texas (laughs) is going to be like top 15 for some Yeah, Texas is going to be like 10th, guaranteed. <laughs> Ellinger's back. Obviously, they're going to put him yep. super high. Returning quarterback, that's all they need. Yep. Big bowl win, returning quarterback. I think that's all the AP voters look at. Is, and a new offensive coordinator. Two, those yep. two things. Oh, yeah. New OC as well. Um, Ohio 30, Nevada 21. Uh, most notable in this game, like a lot of games. Uh, a Gatorade bath that is actually food, um, which I'm a very big fan of. If we could just dump the sponsorship on these guys every week for the bowl season, I'm much more in on it. Uh, obviously, I think Frank Solich got dumped a bucket full of French fries, essentially, on top of them. Uh, proceeded to eat a few of them, so I hope they were warm. I think uh, you should be required to dump whatever the bowl sponsor is on your coach. So I'm really upset the Armed Forces Bowl didn't go with, like, an airplane. Well, like, that, that, like, if you have food as a sponsorship, like the Potato Bowl, that was great. Um, And I think they kept going down the line. I think when people first saw it, I forget what the first bowl game I saw that they did it was. Um, But when the first one did it, I think it fell down the line. Arizona State, Herm Edwards got a bunch of cornflakes tossed on him for the Tony to Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Uh, Frank Solich gets a bunch of potatoes for uh, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Um, which I actually, I was at the grocery store the other day and I actually saw that brand. Uh, and I was just like, I feel like i got to buy potatoes now. I mean, they sponsor a bowl game. Good for them. I have to give them my money. Um, Tulane 30, Southern Miss seven or 13. My apologies. Um... Good win for Tulane to get seven and six on the season here to finish off. Uh, go Green Waves and UL Lafayette twenty-seven, Miami Ohio seventeen uh, to finish off with the Lending Tree Bowl. And our final tally for bowl season minus the championship game, obviously. Gibble goes twenty-one and eighteen. 
Jake goes 18 and 21, and I go 18 and 21. Uh, final standings for the whole year. Intern Gibble, now officially, as of this, Analyst Gibble is Ooh. 107 and 85. Uh, Jake went 103 and 89. Uh, and I went 98 and 94, which was mostly due to me just picking the opposite most of the way through there uh, for the last, like, three weeks of the season. So... I will hopefully do better next year. Uh, don't take my... I'm not a uh, smart better, so don't ever take my picks and go bet them yourself. I, I don't ever recommend that. Um, so congrats to Intern Gibble on winning that. Uh, that is the wrap-up of bowl season. Uh, and Jake, I will send it over to you for an ad before we do the breakdown of the championship game. Yeah, so if you participated in our bowl pick uh, we are down to the final game, and there's only a handful of people that have a chance left. Uh, so I'll be getting in touch with some of you here soon. Um, well, probably two of you, actually, whoever wins. And you'll be getting some Smack apparel, because Smack is the leading unlicensed pro and college sports apparel company in the United States. For over 20 years, Smack has designed some of the most iconic and memorable rivalry sports gear. From the anti-hurricanes sucks to be huge to the Nationals Bryceless design, you're guaranteed to get a compliment at your next tailgate. Unlike licensed sports apparel, Smack doesn't need approval from teams and organizations. They create the designs that illustrate how diehard fans are feeling. So if you're tired of wearing a basic logo or genetic jersey for your favorite team, check out SmackApparel.com and use the promo code WALKON, one word, for 20% off your next order. I actually saw they just put a lane train shirt up there. Might have to go cop that. Might have to. All right. So on Monday, we have the national championship game between LSU and Clemson. Um, I don't know the line off the top of my head. I, I know it opened at around five for L- LSU minus five. Um, not sure where it's sitting right now. According to ESPN, it's five and a half to LSU. So anything... For either of you guys that you're looking forward to in this game necessarily on either side of the ball, uh, any matchups, any uh, breakdown here um, that you're kind of looking forward to? I'm curious to see how uh, Clemson's defensive backs do against, you know, essentially Joe Burrow and the wide receivers. Because against Ohio State, you saw them not necessarily struggle at times because um, they still played well. But LSU has a lot better wide receivers than Ohio State, though. Ohio State has some pretty good wide receivers, but LSU's wide receivers are, like, another level. So it doesn't feel like Clemson has, like, you know, stud corners. So I'm curious to see how they're going to match up or what kind of scheme they're going to run or how they're going to line up Isaiah Simmons on defense with these guys because you know they're going to look to throw the ball. They have a good run game, but, you know, it's not a – top-level run game at LSU because they've been leaning on Joe Burrow for most of this in this wide receivers. So I'm curious how they line Isaiah Simmons up with his defense to try to get some favorable matchups in their favor. Yeah, see, I think I, th- I think the opposite could kind of be a key to watch. Um, the LSU DBs have kind of been, I wouldn't say a, a liability all year, but they've been... They have the Thorpe winner and Derek Stingley and Christian Fulton. Earlier in the, not 
yeah, so that, I mean, that they'll be, they're very good. The defense in general, I think, is what I'm going after here. Uh, early on in the season, they were kind of the weak point of LSU. Over the past few weeks, they've kind of been locked down on defense. They were playing a really good Oklahoma team and only gave up 28 points. Uh, obviously, Clemson only gave up 23 to Ohio State. But I don't know that if Clemson gets down early, if they're going to be able to crawl out of the hole like they did against LSU just because of how high-powered that LSU offense is. Um, I think the the key for me is can LSU convert in the red zone like Ohio State was unable to do. Um, so four trips to the red zone for Ohio State ended up in field goals, I believe a turnover. Uh, for LSU, I feel like they need to turn those into touchdowns and this game could get ugly. Um, so I think that's going to be really fun to watch this week. Yeah, uh, my big my big matchup I'm excited for here is is Clemson's wide receivers against LSU's DBs. Um, getting to see uh, several first-round picks on both sides of the ball here uh, going forward. Uh, but, you know, T. Higgins, Justin Ross, Mario Rogers, and uh, Frank Ladson going up against guys like Delpic, guys like Stingley, guys like Christian Fulton, um, LSU, one of the, the bigger defensive back teams of the country. Um, stacked on both sides of the ball offensively and defensively there. I, I want to see those matchups. If Clemson can win some one-on-one matchups uh, with Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball, I think that's where they're going to have to to strike. Uh, I do think they'll be able to run a little bit better than they did against Ohio State with ETN out of the backfield a, a bit more. Uh, LSU's defense obviously has turned it on a bit, uh, but i throw a few statistics out here for you. Um, LSU did rank 32nd in the nation in yards per game given up uh, and 27th in points per game given up. Uh, Clemson ranked first in both of those statistics. Obviously, they played a lighter schedule with the ACC, uh, but still a little bit better. Those stats are a little bit more skewed because LSU was a bit more of a liability on defense earlier on the season. They turned it on later. Uh, but if if they can win some one-on-one matchups, which was hard for them to do against Ohio State, they didn't really do that all that well. Uh, a lot of their offense came mostly outside of that last uh, a drive came with Lawrence using his legs uh, and kind of opening some space there. So if Clemson can kind of win those some of those one-on-one battles against another extremely difficult defensive back group, uh, I think that poses a uh, big plus for them going forward. Not sure if Clemson's defense can stop LSU, but I think if they can get uh, a few quick, three and outs or something like that here and there or a few stalled drives um, even forcing LSU to go to their kicker which um, hasn't been a super reliable task this year uh, could greatly benefit Clemson going forward uh, I also think just the the coaching matchup I think you have Dabo here I talked about it before you have the new Dabo and the old Dabo here on both sides of the ball um, and Dabo have having been in this position before where Coach O has not, um, if there's something there that might end up 
changing this game late if it's close, third or fourth quarter uh, from either side, um, which will be interesting. You also have the thought of Brent Venable's incredible defensive skills um, as a DC to make quick adjustments when needed. You saw it against Ohio State for the most part. Um, and then the other side of the ball um, with Joe Brady, obviously. So uh, there's a lot of interesting matchups on both sides, but that's that's the primary things I'm looking forward to here. Uh, anything else you guys are looking forward to between these two uh, as they match up? I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. I, I looked up the over-under, and it's about 70 points. And I think it's going to be pretty close to that for total points because I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of scoring in this game. I don't think you're going to see both teams in the 20s. I think at least one team gets in the 30s in this game, if not both. So it wouldn't shock me at all for a 38-35 you know, game. Um, you know, 40 to you know 35, it wouldn't shock me at all if this crosses the over because both these teams can score and score quick. Uh, and both these defenses have given up big plays to teams with similar talent caliber, I guess you could say. Yeah, I feel like this game is not going to follow, I would say, like the typical mold of a, tran- like a, a championship game. I feel like this is going to be just points galore because of how high powered these offenses are um i know defense wins championships i think it's it's going to come down to one of these two teams getting a few stops here and there but i think you're just going to see a lot of scoring in this um i don't know how you slow down that lsu offense um ohio state kind of showed how you can slow down the clemson offense a bit but at, at a certain point after that sean wade hit in the game Clemson kind of turned it on and just kind of took control from there. And you saw how well their offense was able to move the ball and everything Um, against a defense. I would argue is slightly better than LSU's, even though that LSU's has been playing pretty great right now. So I like this game to be really high scoring. Um, I could, I could easily see like you were kind of saying like a 42, 35, somewhere in that range kind of game. Um, So I think, I think it's going to be a really fun one. Yeah, I think both these teams are going to be hitting home runs, and it's going to be whoever can, you know, can stop a couple ones will win the game. Yeah, I don't feel super confident, in it, but I actually, I actually like the under in that with it sitting around seventy. I think you'll see off the start, I think it'll be a little bit more high scoring. But I think as the game progresses, I think the defensive coordinators and Dave Aranda and Brent Venables uh, will find schemes to slow down the opposing teams. Uh, I think it'll be the second half, I think it'll be a little less scoring. Still like it to be around 50 to 60 points, but I don't necessarily think I, I see this game going over 70 total. Um, I, I just think the defenses are too good. I think there's a potential to have um, a key play in there, for, especially for Clemson. I think uh, the way they kind of use Isaiah Simmons is going to be interesting to me just because you can play him at so many different spots on that defense uh, and kind of throwing him around. Uh, you saw it against Ohio State. They schemed up a lot of blitzes late in the game as well. Um, 
to, to kind of get Fields off his rhythm. And I think they might be able to do that against Burrow. One thing Burrow has been able to rely on heavily this year is having the best offensive line in the country. Uh, if Venables can scheme up ways to get Burrow a, a little in flux when going to throw the ball, uh, I think that's going to be the key for Clemson, and I think he can do that. Um, so I think that'll kind of hinder the second half a little bit on both sides. Uh, so I actually like the under in that. I wouldn't surprise me at all if they hit the under because I, I, I do, I could totally see the defensive coordinators at halftime making some adjustments and being able to force some punts or force some turnovers, uh, which could limit the scoring. Yeah, I mean, 70 points in a championship game just it feels like too much. Because I feel like any time you get to this big, uh, you know, big championship game, everything slows down for the most part. Uh, I Things don't necessarily feel like they're as fast. Things kind of come to a head. Things are a little bit slower. Uh, and things kind of progress that way so i i just 70 points just seems like a lot if it's at around 60 i might debate about it but 70 just i feel like it's going to go under that if i had to guess so just for total points just to read them off uh they went 62 85 66 49 and 60 so it's only crossed 70 points once and that was a 45 40 alabama clemson game other than that, it's been under 70 points each time. But both yeah. teams have hit the 30s before, and you've had teams hit the 40s um, in three out of five years. So it's very possible a team could hit the 40s. Um, 30s are quite possible as well. How many of those teams were averaging over 45 points a game, though? I don't know. You're still the intern until this episode's over. I don't know the answer to the past, but Clemson is averaging 45.3 and LSU is averaging 48.9 per game. I'm guessing both. Which is great. And as an offensive, a guy who roots for offense all the time, the combined points per game on the defensive side of the game, the ball for these two teams is 31.8. So yeah, that's true. I mean, you're, you're, Clemson, again, number one in points per game defensively, 27th in the country for LSU, and that's only 21.2. So, yeah, they're high-powered offenses, but they also have pretty stingy defenses as well. So That's fair. All right. Uh, lastly, the other matchup I'm interested in is quarterback versus quarterback. Um, you have this year's first overall pick in the draft in Joe Burrow. Taking on probably next year's number one overall pick in the draft and Trevor Lawrence, if I had to guess right now, things obviously can change. Uh, but you're looking at two two guys that are going to be in the NFL in two years, leading franchises as the franchise quarterback. Uh, who knows where Lawrence ends up, but um, that'll be interesting as well. Lawrence was the favorite going in for the Heisman this year. Joe Burrow was pretty far down the list. Burrow ended up winning it. Uh, we'll see what Lawrence does next year, but uh, so that's a very interesting matchup as well, in my in my opinion. So, uh, outside of that, we're not going to do a spread this week. We're just going to do a straight pick 'em. Who do we think is going to win? Intern Gibble, you want it? I will let you go first and and explain your pick or whatever you want to do. All right, I am going to take LSU and the Tigers. Uh, 
My only hesitation with this pick is the lack of experience that they have. Uh, Clemson's obviously been in this situation a few times. Lawrence specifically has been in this situation before. Uh, big game, big championship. That's the only area where I see LSU really having a question mark for me. But I still, that offense is just a well-oiled machine. Joe Brady has them firing on all cylinders. Um, I mean, you got Coach O walking down the halls, chanting, hold that tiger. That's also the only thing he tweets. If you look back at the last two weeks, that's all he's tweeted. It's been great. Uh, I think LSU is going to take this game. I think they're going to come out really hot. Um, as long as they score more than 16 points before they let Clemson score anything, I think that's key because I think we've just learned over the past few weeks, 16 to nothing is quite possibly the most dangerous lead in football. Uh, don't hold me to that. But if there's a team that's going to come back from a 16 to nothing lead, it's Clemson. So I don't want that to happen. So, LSU, I think, is going to take this game, and it's going to be, I think it's going to be by a good margin. I actually bet on, like, the cover uh, for LSU being over, like, nine and a half. Uh, probably not the smartest thing to do, but we're going with it, so go Tigers. All right, Jake, you were second place. I'll let you go next. Yeah, I like LSU in this game as well. Uh, I like LSU about 38-28, so... I just like Joe Burrow and his weapons too much. I think they're going to get up early. Um, I think Clemson's going to come roaring back, but I just don't know if it's going to be enough. Um, I think LSU's going to be able to score. I mean, I think Clemson's going to be able to score on LSU. Um, but I just can't pick against LSU's offense. What they did to Oklahoma in the first half was just something we've never seen. You know, just going out and just casually throwing seven touchdowns in the first half of a playoff game. And I don't know if we'll ever see it again. That The way Joe Burrow is playing right now, I don't know if there's anybody that can stop him. All right. I, I'm going to pick Clemson here. Uh, a few hot takes, I think. Uh... I think Isaiah Simmons gets an interception in this game as well, playing his rover random defensive spots. Just running around uh, wildly. Yeah, just wherever he wants to go. I mean, the dude's got arms longer than uh, a T-Rex body. Like, it's insane. Um, I think he gets pick, uh, and probably really won't be this close in it, like, Last year kind of killed it. Like everybody thought that game was going to be close, and and Clemson kind of blew them out. But um, I think Clemson wins this game, thirty-five, thirty-one. Um, Forty-five seconds left. Trevor Lawrence connects with T. Higgins in the back of the end zone uh, for a touchdown, puts him up, and LSU can't go down and score a touchdown. Uh, that's what I think is going to happen. I'm taking Clemson to win this game. I, I've learned so often betting on sports the last several years. I feel like that, like when you just have a matchup that's a guy that hasn't been there before versus a guy that has been there before, and I I want the guy. I love Coach O. I I, I you know I have no issue with either of these teams winning this game, 
but I'm just going to take the experience in Dabo and Venables and those guys that have been there, Trevor Lawrence, the whole squad. I just think they're going to end up winning this game. Um, I know there's somewhat of a home field advantage essentially for LSU as well. I just think they're going to figure it out. I think Burrow's going to have a great game. I don't think the LSU offense is going to be shut out by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I'm going to take Clemson here. I'm going to ride with the ACC, go get us another national championship for that conference because uh, we need it right now. Um, and I just think Clemson's going to end up winning this game in a close one. Uh, at least I hope it's a close one either way, but uh, that's what I'm going with. All right. Um, Jake, any listener questions? We did have one listener question this week. Uh, so you kind of hinted at it a little bit earlier. But at Jacob Heflin, 12, said, Prediction on the next Baylor head coach. All right. Uh, intern Gibble, or analyst Gibble, my apologies. I'm, I'm still getting used to this. Mr. Booger yeah, Gibble. It's still weird. Yeah, Booger McGibble. Um, <laughs> uh, why don't you hit us with, with yours first? All right. Well, earlier when I was talking to Jake about this, he told me it needed to be a home run hire for Baylor. Uh, I have no reason to actually back this up, but I'm going to say they pay Joe Brady a ton of money and get him to come and coach Baylor. Everybody's getting Joe Brady. Yep. Yeah, he's coaching for eight teams next year. Yay. Yep. Yep. I'm surprised he didn't say so, Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer to Baylor no, confirmed. He's apparently going to the Browns, so that's a thing. Uh, nope. So that's just my pick. I got Joe, Joe Brady. He's gonna keep that offense rolling. They're in a pretty good spot right now at Baylor, so I don't see why not. Who you got, Aaron? I'm going a lot more under the radar. Uh, I'm going to take Joey McGuire, the defensive end slash associate head coach under Matt Rule at Baylor. Um, it, it's pretty late in the game. I'm not necessarily sure who they could get that's a home run hire. I don't think Brady's going to go there. Um, he's well-liked by everybody in the, uh, in the athletic department uh, and on the team. Um, he's a former Texas high school coach who was well, very well regarded, um, has coached under Matt Rule there for a couple years now. Uh, I think they just go internally here. Uh, I think maybe they look around, but I think McGuire's going to be a hot name inside the, the, the school. I feel like after the Matt Rule one, who, you know, Matt Rule wasn't a huge name necessarily going there, um, a little bit more low key. I think they stick there. I think they have... You know, McGuire has a ton of roots in Texas, can recruit there. Uh, I think they just stay in-house and go with McGuire here. I think you're on the right track there. It wouldn't shock me at all if they do that because then you keep the foundation there. You keep a lot of the guys. I mean, that rule might take a couple guys to the NFL with him, but a lot of times if you're going to coach in the NFL, you're going to bring NFL coaches with you. You're not going to bring your college staff guys with you. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if he, they went that route just to keep a lot of the foundation, a lot of the same things, keep me familiar with the guys that are on staff there, keep familiar with the players, similar system. You don't have to bring in a whole new offense. Um, but to be different, I'm going to say they go with Sonny Dykes. I think they could potentially look at him and what he did at SMU 
um, you know, recruiting in Texas already, so he's got familiarity with the high schools around there. Uh, I could see them going and making an offer to Sonny Dykes, and I think Sonny Dykes would go to Baylor. All right, all pretty good names. Uh, that's for sure. Outside of intern uh, analyst Gibble, who might get demoted for thinking Joe Brady's going to go to Baylor. Joe Brady can go anywhere Joe Brady wants to go. <sighs> You're right, he can, and he's not going to Baylor. Yeah, probably not going to Baylor. Uh, um, all right, uh, that is it for our show this week. Uh, we will be back next week to talk about the national title game as well as our top teams of all time for the celebration of college football's 150th year, which is wrapping up um, next week. Um, Jake, what's our social media handles? We are at the Walk On Red Shirts or at Walk On Red Shirts, depending on which social media you want to find. It's either the or just regular walk-on white shirts all right find us on there make sure you give us a follow make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you're on apple Podcasts. make sure you give us a uh five-star rating as well um to get us boosted a little bit more here in the uh standings uh and we will be back next week with our not necessarily finale episode we'll be here all off season but the finale of college football season unfortunately um see you next week